0: Today, we're actually going to be going into part two of our vision, uh, the What's Next series on finding freedom. So um, we're going to be talking about that over the next three weeks, but I'm just going to be starting it off this morning. And um, yeah, Jason is actually left for Joburg right now. That's why he's not here. He's going to be doing his master's um, in theology, and he has to do a week of uh, lectures in Joburg uh, through university in the States. So that's why he's not here. So pray for him when you think of him working a full-time job, kids, a wife, and his master's degree. But um, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, can't we? Okay. So um, the last two weeks when we started off the What's Next series, um, Jason spoke about knowing God. And um, the first week, just spoke about getting into the Word and actually knowing who God is. And he spoke about the 21-day drizzle. Anyone try to do a little bit of a 21-day drizzle? Okay, three people. Fantastic. Okay. (laughs) Um, and then last week he spoke about prayer, and um, prayer is so important, and isn't it amazing that the Bible just actually spells out for us exactly how to do the things that we need to do. So I, I love that, and I think um, it's a great way to start your relationship with God, getting into the Word and praying. And today, as I said, we're going to be talking about freedom, so we're going to be talking about, uh, freedom. So, what I want to do is I want to give you a sort of a visual picture um, of some of the things that, um, like, yeah, I want you to be able to imagine what I'm saying. Um, but what happens in life, okay, is we, we have a door in front of us. It's our life circumstances, you know, we have a door. And every time we open that door and we step out, we find ourselves in a certain place. Okay, so... We, what, you know, if we go to work, we open the door, it's the same every day. If we go home, we open the door, it's the same things at home every day. If we go to places, um, you know, perhaps we belong to a certain club or, you know, it's always the same. You open the door, the circumstances are the same. Very often what happens when you open those doors, okay, I need to hold this because it's going to help me, okay. When we don't have freedom, very often what happens is we open the door, everything is the same, and what it's telling us is that you were unplanned and unwanted. So you open that door, and it's the same circumstances, and you feel the same every time. Then you open the door, and um, you say, I can't make friends, because what if people know what I did? Nobody would want to be friends with me. Or we open the door, and we say... I failed at my first marriage, so why should I get a second chance? Or we open the door and we say, I'm so ashamed of the abuse that I experienced that if anyone knew what I went through, they would never accept me. Or we open the door and we say, you know what? I know about somebody at school or at work or in my family that's going through some trouble and I need to speak up but nobody will want to hear what I have to say. Now, I don't know if you can relate to any of those things, but when we don't have freedom, that's very often what we experience. We open the door and those things bombard us. You're unwanted. You're unloved. Who will want to spend time with you? Who will want to hear what you have to say? You'll never amount to anything. You'll never get that promotion or be able to be on on that board because if anyone knew what you were really like, if anyone knew what you um, did in the past, you'll never be accepted. But I'm hoping to show you today that that is not the case. And now, I've shared the story before, but I really want to share it again because it's just such a great example of... Um, what it is to actually have freedom right in front of you, but not possess it. Um, there was a young girl in, um, Sol- in Salt Lake City in Utah by the name of Elizabeth Smart, and at the age of 14, she was abdu- abducted from her bedroom in her home in the middle of the night. Uh, This was in 2002. She was 14 years old, as I said, and the man who abducted her, Brian Mitchell and his wife, Wanda, they held young Elizabeth captive uh, for nine months until she was rescued. And the thing is, what's so interesting about her story is that during these nine months, they actually took her out. Sometimes disguised, sometimes with a veil over her face. They even took her out to public places, like the local library and the shop. There was one time when they were actually approached by the police and asked, have you seen this young girl who's missing? And she was standing right there with them. And at that moment, she could have said, yes, I'm Elizabeth Smart, free me, but she didn't. And the reason that she didn't do that is because they fed her lies, that if she ran away or if she told anybody who she was, they would not only hurt her, but they would also hurt her family. So at the age of 14, she believed that if she tried to get free, not only would she suffer, and she had been suffering up until that point already, but her family, her younger sister, who was in the bedroom when she was abducted, and everybody else, that they would hurt them as well. So her fear of something that wasn't true kept her from being free. It wasn't true. If they had, if she had spoken up right there and then, they would have been arrested and she would have been set free. So her fear of something that wasn't true kept her from being free. This morning I want to read um, the story of Joshua. Now I absolutely love Joshua because I can just picture this guy who is... I don't know, I almost picture him a little bit like a Peter. Like he'll just say like what he wants to say and come on, let's do this. You know, there's, there's he's just got this faith and and I can just imagine being around him and and, and not being afraid to go and do things because he's like, no, it's cool. Went to the land and it's flowing with milk and honey. Come, let's go there. You know, he's just this confident guy. But reading from Joshua 1 verse 1 to 9, it says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Naan, Okay, not none, Moses' assistant, he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. That's a lot of promises and encouragement. In a short space of time. Be strong and courageous. So notice that God's telling him to be strong and courageous. He's saying, I've given you the land. All you have to do is go and claim it. But you have to be strong and courageous. Because anything that we need to take for ourselves still takes courage and strength to do it. For you are the ones who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Once again, his double warning. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So as Jason spoke two weeks ago, we need to meditate on God's word day and night so that we know what he wants us to do. So that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Again, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So he's telling him what is theirs to take. He's, he's promised, he says, as I promised Moses, I'm promising you. But he's still encouraging him to be strong and courageous. Okay? Because everything that we need to claim, all the truth, the fears we need to give up, takes strength and courage. Then we go on into Joshua 3. I know I'm reading a lot, but this is really good, okay? From Joshua 3, verse 10 to 17. Today you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, or Perizzites, Gigashites, Amorites, and Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. So Joshua's gotten the promise, he's gotten the instruction from God to go. Now they're going, okay? Now they're faced with a river that is in full flood. This was a time of the year when the river, the Jordan River, was in full flood. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men, um, from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. So he's not saying as soon as their feet touch the water, the river will stop where you are. He says the water will stop upstream. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the Ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarathan. So in a way for me what this means is is if i if i carry god with me if i make sure that i'm asking god to stick with me to stay with me that i don't do anything without his instruction that to me is what is being said there the priests stepped into the water with the ark of the covenant they didn't want to do anything without god and the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the, ri- the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. So again, God made a way. But you know, in order for the Israelites to enter the promised land they had to cross the flood-level waters of the Jordan River. So there was an obstacle. They had to first cross this river that was in flood season. God gave them specific instructions. If they hadn't obeyed his specific instructions, would they have maybe wandered for another 40 years? But he gave them specific instructions. He said the priests had to step into the water. What if the priests were afraid to step into the water? what if they didn't step into it? What if they said, but how do we know God's going to do what he says he's going to do? Why must I step in here? Why don't you step in here, Jason or Sam? Why must I do it? You know, it's, we, 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 we get fearful. Maybe if somebody else does it, then I'll try, you know, but they, they had to um, step into the water. Now, often what happens is that God provides no solution Sounds negative, but wait. He provides no solution to our problems until we trust him and move ahead with what we know we should do and be obedient to God. So very often he has a plan and he knows what he wants to do, but he almost, like he's waiting for you to be obedient to his word, to follow his instruction. What are the rivers or obstacles in your life? Obeying God would be the first Step to take, okay? That would be the first thing to do to obey Him. And it would be the first thing to do, even knowing that we don't know what the outcome is. That's an important step. So we have rivers and we have obstacles in front of us, but the first step is to take a step, okay? Is to actually say, God, I need to do something. What do you want me to do? Okay, God, I don't know what to do. Do I need to ask people that I look up to and respect? To pray for me and help me, but God, what is the first thing I should do? I don't just want to hang back and wait. What do you want me to do? Um, Nikki Gumble, who um, started Alpha from Holy Trinity Brompton, um, shared this story on his uh, Bible. It was in the Bible app, right? Um, that is really um, quite interesting. He says that his maternal grandparents lived in a small fish, fishing village. Sorry, fishing village. Um, of Weem near Edinburgh in Scotland. They owned a house there. In 1939, at the start of World War II, they let their home to tenants. They rented out their house. When the war ended, they wanted to return to their home, but they were unable to. The law at the time allowed the tenants to remain in the house for as long as they lived, as long as they lived, at approximately the same rent, with no adjustment in inflation. For 50 years, my grandparents were unable to get possession of the house they owned. My uncle inherited the house from my grandparents. By the time he got possession, the condition of the house had deteriorated greatly. He sold it for a very small sum. Although my family owned the house in this town, they never took possession of it. There is a big difference between ownership and possession the people of Israel had been given ownership of Canaan, the promised land. Now Joshua says to the Israelites, how long will you wait for me before you begin to take possession of the land? How long are you going to wait? We actually read in Joshua 18 verse 3, he says to them, then Joshua asked them, how long are you going to wait before taking possession of the remaining land the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has given you? So when, okay, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but The New Testament actually, um, in Hebrews 4, presents the Christian life as like a picture of this land, okay? And then we need to realize that what is already ours in Christ, we can take possession of. We need to realize that what is already ours in Jesus Christ, we can take possession of. And so what are these steps that we need to take? Because it's very difficult to daily open the same door, have the same circumstances and not know what to do about it. Well, I can't change the facts. But what do we do? I think one of the first things that we need to do is to accept our freedom. We actually have to accept our freedom, you know? The wages of sin is death. We are free because Jesus paid the price for our sins. But we have to accept that gift. We have to accept what he did for us. Once we have a relationship with God, we have his power in us. We don't have to face life's challenges alone. Our fears, anxieties, and worries cannot and should not enslave us. So we can have fears and anxieties, but they don't have to enslave us. So I'm not telling you you should never have a fear and never have an anxiety because then you're a robot. But they don't have to enslave us. The enemy's traps no longer leave us imprisoned or victims to our circumstances or leave us out of control. You see, because once we begin a relationship with God, and that's the first step, it's beginning that relationship with God and accepting our freedom, once we start getting to know him and walking with him daily, the next step in our journey is allowing his power to transform us and to heal us, to set us free. Because a relationship with our loving father changes us completely, providing us with courage and strength. So as he encouraged Joshua, he encourages us. He gives us the power and the strength to overcome anything. And so then we will have the power and the strength and the resilience that we need to deal with old scars. That we need to deal with ongoing problems or destructive attitudes. I don't know about you but sometimes my attitudes are very destructive and yet I know it up front but in the moment I can either be enslaved by my bad attitude or my wrong attitude or my fear or I can see it for what it is and do something about it. And what's amazing is once we accept our freedom, once we accept the sacrifice Jesus made, once we start a relationship with the Father, we're now in a position where we can say, I'm free of my previous life. I was a slave to a lot of things. I was a slave to society, a slave to my peers, a slave to self-doubt, but now I'm free to live my life. I'm excited to see what God's got in store for me. Salvation means that I'm free but i have to accept that salvation the second thing i think that we need to do is to stop giving the enemies giving into the enemy's lies when i became a christian one of the first things that the enemy tried to convince me of is that i will never be good enough to be married to a pastor who do i think i am that i could be in ministry and I had to make sure that I did not continue to give in to the enemy's lies. The enemy is a liar and will continue to do all that he can to get you to believe these lies about yourself, to compare yourself to others, to doubt yourself, to fear the unknown, to believe that you're unworthy. Can you relate to any of these things where you just, you have doubt, you think you're not going to be good enough to apply for a certain job or to be in a, a certain place? So many people never find freedom because they do all they can to conceal the truth. And again, that's shame. We do all we can to conceal the truth so we never actually deal with breaking free. They work hard to hide it it because it feels too uncomfortable, too painful, too humbling to face. Rather than acknowledge the truth before God, and before people, we choose to handle our past mistakes, our current problems, and our secret hang ups by ourselves. But as long as it's in the darkness, we will never deal with it. And the third thing that I think we need to step into and believe is that when we've do- once we've done the first one, we need to realize that we are a child of God. You are a child of God. Do you know what it means to be a child of God? It says in John 1, verse 12, but to all who believed, Him and accepted him. He gave the right to become children of God. In Romans 8, verse 14, it says, uh, 14 to 16, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. In Romans 8, verse 17, the promise, it says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So we, we become children of God when we accept the forgiveness, when we accept the sacrifice that Jesus made, when we start following um, God, and we start trying to obey him, and we stop believing the lies of the enemy, and we realize that we are children of God, and we are heirs, co-heirs with Christ, and that means if you're an heir, you inherit something, so what are we inheriting, what are we inheriting, we need to ask ourselves that question. We are inheriting freedom. We are inheriting being able to be free from the lies of the enemy. We are inheriting being able to stand on God's word and his truth and not allow the enemy's lies via someone at work or via someone in your family or via your parents back then when they were trying to do the best that they could and maybe they failed and didn't do everything the way that you would have done it, but you're still hanging on to what was said to you back then. No. When you are a child of God, you inherit the kingdom of God. You inherit freedom. You inherit amazing things that you can only get by being in a relationship with God. And it's all available to us now. Will you take possession of what the Father has for you? Or do you want to just stand at a distance looking at it? Like I don't really want to use a material example, but let me just, for the sake of the fact that we're human beings, your father buys you a brand new red Ferrari, and he says, here's the keys. I'm pay- uh, It's paid. I'm paying the insurance. Here's a petrol card. I'm paying your petrol. If you have an accident, I'm sorting that out. But we just look at it from a distance and go, how nice would it be? Imagine what it would be like to get in that car and drive around the peninsula. Sure, I'm going to sleep on that tonight and just imagine how amazing that would be. That's what we do with God. We look at the promises, we look at his word, and we say, how nice it would be to be free. But I like these chains, How nice it would be to know that I'm worthy and loved and good enough, but I'll just watch from here because that's for someone else. And your father's begging you, take the Ferrari. It's been in the garage for a month. What's your problem? Hmm. No, no, I'm going to leave it this time. Maybe next time I'll pray about it. Don't we use that one? I'll pray about it. What's to pray about? It's been done. It's paid for. The blood has been shed. You are set free. (laughs) You need to take possession of your inheritance. Jess shared this awesome uh, thing with me from Captain Marvel. He said, I've been fighting with one arm tied behind my back. She, sorry, I meant to say that. Okay, for Captain Marvel, fighting with one arm tied behind my back, but what happens when I'm finally set free? So we we fight, we try, we say, God, it's okay, I've got this. I'll, you know, like I'll do, I'll fight with one arm behind my back. But what happens when you finally set free? What will happen when you are finally set free? When you accept your freedom, stop believing the lies and become a child of God, you will be set free from whatever was holding you back. You will be able to live your life as the person God created you to be. The person that I was before I became a Christian was not who God created me to be. Every now and again, the devil tries to rear the ugly lies and remind me of what I was like before, and either I can give in or I can say, no, the Bible says that I am a new creation. I am set apart. I do not have to be who I was before. The lies you believed will no longer have any hold on you unless you allow them to if you find the lies rearing their ugly heads, which they will, you need to bop them on the head with the word of God. You need to bop those ugly lies with the word of God and don't give it any room in your life. Don't keep the lies and fears hidden in the dark parts of your mind. Speak them out. Bring them to the light so that you can experience freedom. Guys, this life is way too short. Okay, this life is way too short for any of us to be living in fear and believing things about ourselves that just aren't true. Fight the lies with God's truth, which is His Word, and conquer those lies. Can you imagine how radically different our lives would actually be if we saw ourselves the way God sees us? Our lives would be radically different. But we often settle for less. And we often believe that it's too late or I've done way too many bad things. And you know, what, what happens with lies is they become strongholds. And they become something that we are bound by. But do you know that for every negative stronghold, there's a powerful way to surround it with the opposite truth from God. So if a stronghold that you are struggling with is rejection then you need to study the Bible and find out all it says about acceptance. So for every stronghold, there's an opposite truth. For every lie, there's an opposite truth. And the truth trumps the lie. The lie never, ever trumps the truth. Because the truth is God's word, and the word sets us free. So what sort of lies are you dealing with today? I've just got a few scriptures that were easy to find. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you need to go home and Google, if you need to ask somebody in your life to send you scriptures, I don't know, whatever it is that you need to do, but if you believe that you were unplanned and unwanted, my mother fell pregnant with me in the 1970s, unmarried, do you know what a scandal that was, okay? Okay. So I, And I never met my biological father. So yes, I believed I was unplanned, so therefore obviously unwanted. But what does Psalm 139 verse 13 say? You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. If God didn't want me, he wouldn't have knitted me together in my mother's womb. Another lie. Your past is so bad, no one will, have accept, will accept that you've changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Every person who is in Christ, lie. Your failed relationship means you are a broken vessel. Psalm 34 verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Lie, I was abused and will never be healed. The truth, Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. Lie, I can't speak up in in, in that situation. I'm too shy. Nobody will want to hear me. I have a funny voice. The truth, Isaiah 41 verse 10, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my my victorious right hand. He will be with you in every situation. Lie, I am not good enough. The truth, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Come on. The word of God, the truth sets us free. So earlier on, I mentioned the door. Every day we have to walk through the door. So we walk through the door and the circumstances are the same. However, walking in freedom means walking to the door, opening it up, everything is the same, but you are different. Your attitude is different. You know God's word. You know who you are. You know whose you are. So this stuff might not change. I can't change my circumstances of my birth. You can't change the circumstances of your birth. You can't change if you felt pregnant before you were married. You can't change if you had an abortion. You can't change if you were a drug addict. You can't change if you've been through a divorce.